Welcome back to Arab American Psycho. My name is Noor, and I'm so excited about this week's guest. She is the author of an East African Indian cookbook called Let's Eat. Welcome, Zainab Issa. Hi. Hello. Um, I'm so excited to have you on. We were just chatting very briefly before we started recording, and I literally told Zainab, I was like, hold on, I got to start recording because... I thought you were, I thought you were a child. I thought you were 18 years old. Oh God. When, <laughs> like I literally, and then I found out you were married and I was like, oh my God, is she a child bride? And I was like, no, wait, she's a an little adult. Bit. But- I'm not even going to lie to you. <laughs> like a little bit of a child bride. Wait, how old are you? If you don't mind me asking. I'm 22. Oh my God, you are a baby. <laughs> But I thought you were, I thought you were 18. Like I fully thought you were an 18 year old. And I was like, who is this 18 year old? I'm like, happy about that. I know that's great. I wish people thought I was 18 constantly, but you wrote, you wrote a cookbook. That's amazing. Like you. It's been like so fun. When I was 22, I was like, just, I don't know, like listening to music and chain smoking cigarettes. Like I definitely was not, I was not writing a cookbook. That's not what I was doing. I definitely do those things too, though. So (laughs) kind of just do it all. Oh my, well, that makes me really jealous because I don't, I don't smoke anymore. And I will say it's funny when I see people smoking, the only feeling I feel is pure jealousy. Like that's, 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 I'm never jealous or envious of anything anyone does, except for when I see them smoking, because I'm like, that used to be me. And now it's just not, and it, it makes me sad. It makes me sad. It makes me sad. Well, it's, it's better for you. So I'm probably jealous of you. I mean, I guess it's better for me, but like, who can say for sure? We're all going to die anyway, so it's fine. Um, just starting off the episode on a real morbid, <laughs> a real morbid start. We're all going to die. It's fine. It's cool. 2020. It is what it um, is. Right. But so you, you have this cookbook called Let's Eat and I want to, and I want to talk about that, but I also want to talk to you about your TikTok videos. Cause like I was telling Zainab before we started recording, I watched, I like binge watched all of your TikToks. And I was fully salivating and like just that literally really makes me so sweaty to know <laughs> why. I don't know. I like have such a like love hate relationship with my TikTok. I like I think I started it when I was like super bored in quarantine, and it like just took off and like has a mind of its own. And I'm like so awkward about it because I'm like I literally sit here and like voice record these videos that like so many people watch, which is so amazing. But like, I can't even talk about it in real life. Like if anybody brings it up, any of my friends, I'm like, Oh my God, please don't talk about this. I that's, I relate to that on a very deep level because it took me years to not just cringe when people would like, how do you do it? Like, I just realized that I had something called imposter syndrome. I don't know if you're familiar with imposter syndrome, but you just feel like I don't deserve this. Why are people? Why do people think yeah, that, like yeah, exactly. cool? Like this is so this is so embarrassing. This is so dumb. But like it's not. Like you're a creative person and you're creating content that like people truly enjoy. And like your voice and your and your audios is so soothing. Like I want you to read me like bedtime stories. <laughs> like about baking cookies like if you could somehow turn that like into like a side gig where you just read bedtime stories of like like I feel like everybody on TikTok is just constantly screaming and it like drives me crazy sometimes (laughs) 
Um, I don't know if you've ever seen my TikToks, but that <laughs> is accurate. <laughs> I am I am literally screaming oh, at no. the top of my lungs. And, no, you're t- I, totally understandable because I'll tell you, I agree. I hate when people scream in TikToks. Like I'll just skip through Especially it because like, I'm like cooking. I'm like, okay, this is not that intense. Like, why are you yelling at me? There is a very particular genre of cooking TikToks particularly I find in white women where they are yelling (laughs) at the top of their lungs and they're like being really aggressive about it. Like you've been making French fries wrong your whole life and I'll show you why. And I'm just like, (laughs) oh my God. Like I appreciate the enthusiasm, but let's like tone it down a little. Like several. Those are all the like soothing ones. That's why I've really enjoyed yours because I'm like, this is so relaxing and also very like aesthetically pleasing at the same time. So it's like, I'm, I'm getting the recipe, my voice, my ears don't hurt. And also the visual aspect is also very, very soothing. But can so. I tell you something? People actually prefer to be screamed at, which I think says a lot <laughs> about who we are. Because I'll scream every once in a while and like the yeah. food will soar. And I'm like, why do you want me to yell at you? I don't get it. That's very, very, uh, that's a really interesting observation. And I do agree with you. And I was having kind of an imposter syndrome moment myself earlier this week. And I was telling my friend, I was like, why do, like, I made a video where I'm just literally yelling for a full 60 seconds. And it. it has over, it has like, I don't know, 600,000 views or something like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I'm just like, what the fuck is this? Like, why do, why do people want me to be upset? Like, why do they like this? And my friend was like, people just love, like, you seem passionate. Yeah, like, exactly. I think it's the energy. Like, people want to be energized. Like, I posted this one I- day in my life. And, like, it was probably the video that's gone viral the fastest. Like, I think in a day, 500,000 views. Um, whoa that's wild which was crazy and it was just me being like super busy and like (laughs) as exhausted as I was at the end of it like people loved it and I'm like why would you want to see me being tortured interesting we should we should study that we should definitely do a case study on that uh feel free to submit any any feelings you have on people yelling at you because I am really interested in understanding why people would want that because I don't like that like personally motivating who knows I don't find it motivating. I find it like it does make me want to slap people. Um, so I, I, I guess that's the opposite of motivation is feeling violent. Um, um, like I just, I, I don't get it, but I, that's why I really enjoy your TikToks. But so when did you start creating TikTok videos? How did, how did that go down? Um, peak quarantine, like out when I, I finished the um, spring semester in school and then it was just like summer in quarantine, which is like the worst possible thing. So I think it was like early July, I want to say, or maybe late June. So it's been like around six-ish months. I mean, and it's so cool to me just seeing how much you've grown in in such a short period of time because you have like a solid audience. And like, I do feel like I want to know because I, I, I did do a little bit of research online, but I couldn't. Are you in school right now? Yeah. So I'm currently in my senior year of university. Whoa. And are you working simultaneously? Because I just feel like you're doing a lot of stuff. I want to know all the things that you're doing. So working by like, by way of TikTok, right? So like in terms of like content collaborations and stuff like that, um, like I usually think of working in the sense of like being paid. So 
that right. stuff. Um, and then there's the schoolwork and then there's all the stuff with my cookbook, which is just sort of like promotional. Um, and like, I, I'm, I wrote an article for Bon Appetit. So about the cookbook oh my God. in the cookbook. So that's super exciting. Um, that's so major. Congratulations. I'm really excited. Like my whole goal with the cookbook was really, I feel like growing up my literally my whole life, I lived in like a, um, basically entirely Caucasian town in like Northern New Jersey. I grew up there. Um, and I think I was like constantly hiding from like being Brown. Um, and I loved everybody else's culture. Everything else was so much more interesting than I was. And then like, eventually I just kind of was over it. I'm like, why am I pretending like I don't have something to offer like in being myself? And that's sort of where the cookbook came from was like, I, I feel like the only reason I felt so uncomfortable by who I was was because I never had the chance to like talk about it or explain it. And it wasn't something that was already known. So I wanted to take a step towards explaining that and sort of bringing it to the forefront of conversation. And it's like, it's been really interesting because the response has been like so amazing. You know, like when you eat something for like your whole life, it's like, is it actually good or am I just used to it? And then I have like a bunch of like, I've posted a few videos on TikTok with recipes from the book that have done really well. And then people will be making them at home and tagging me and like, they love it. And I'm just like, I knew this was good. You know what I mean? Like, I wish I had that confidence like earlier in my life. And so hopefully like it's, it's exciting when people um, take on like pieces of your own culture. I personally love to see um, other people trying other people's culture. Yeah. I think it's really beautiful to see that people can appreciate your culture, which might not be the majority because, you know, living, living in a Western world, we, for the most part, are just consuming very Western recipes and just, you, you know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah, yeah. cheese, cheeseburgers and pizza. That's what I was excited about when I was a kid. Like exactly. when, she, when my, when my mom made like matluba, which is a very traditional Palestinian dish, I was not, I was not excited about yeah, that. Exactly. I was not like, woohoo, but it's so interesting how as we get older, we really learn how to appreciate those things. And this shift happens where we're ultimately like, the things wait, that bring you comfort then, right? Like what you know so well, and like the emotions that are tied to those meals, like that is what brings people like happiness and peace. So like, mm-hmm. for me, that's where it like comes from. Like in, during quarantine, when I was like stuck, like couldn't see my parents, wasn't like eating the food that I would usually have at their house. I was like, why the fuck don't I know how to do this for myself? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I like to think of myself as like super independent. And then I like can't even make like the most basic um, like curry because I just don't know how. And I haven't like taken the time to learn. So that's where it came from. When when did you kind of so when was that where you had this kind of realization where you're like, wait, my culture is really cool. And let me start cooking. Like when when, when did this so happen? The cooking thing has kind of been like a forever thing. So okay. you know, like super embarrassing as like a 12 year old, I used to like bake and like cater bake, I would say. So like make these like elaborate table spreads for like that's not embarrassing that's fucking adorable I just want to put that out (laughs) that's so cute not embarrassing very cute and then for whatever reason I stopped um and but like I would I continued to bake and cook sort of my whole life it's never been something that I haven't done I would say I moved to Brooklyn and it sort of halted because like Mm -hmm. I was with roommates kitchen's place was small I was like interested in doing other things um so that's when it sort of stopped. And then I got married, moved to Long Island and like started up again because I was like in my own space. Um, and then 
in January, I took my art like thesis course um, for my major and the professor like basically structured the whole class around making a singular project that spoke to the like American political climate. And like in January, like the only word was like polarized. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. okay, what do I do with that? You know? And it hit me like the only, the only way that like we can gain a better understanding of, of everybody is like through conversations. And I, and I'm like a firm believer the best way to talk to somebody is over a meal or over coffee or something like that. So I decided to sort of put a piece of myself on the table in the form of this cookbook um, with recipes from my childhood and my culture in the hopes that it'll like in- increase um, interest and in sharing and learning about other people's cultures and sort of opening your own horizons in terms of like what you're familiar with and not being scared to try something you don't know, especially like through the format of a cookbook, right? Like you've never eaten this before. You don't know what it's supposed to taste like. And you're just sort of trusting me and taking my word on how to make it and like trying it, which I think is like such a beautiful thing. And it's really, really cool because I think for a lot of people, they, for the most part, are kind of exposed to their own culture or cultures that are like similar to their own. I think that's a very normal like human experience, especially when you're in your early 20s. And I'm, I'm really glad that I grew up going to like a very multicultural mosque as a mm-hmm. child. So like I was eating Indian food, I was eating, uh, you know, that's Somali amazing. food, like I was eating every kind of food that there was. And so I feel like that's something that I take for granted. But I'm also really happy about as an adult, because I'm like, I feel like I have a more um, like refined palate, I guess, like, yeah, I have yeah, an appreciate. Yeah. But I also think that like, if you've never tried a curry or anything like that, it can be a little intimidated. I, mm. I'm intimidating. I've noticed that a lot of people are just like, Oh, I, is it going to be too spicy? Like, yeah. am I gonna like it? And I feel like the way you share your recipes is also very like, um, makes it less intimidating. It makes it more of like a like a thing that it's more accessible for everyone. And, and it's not that you're altering your recipes in any way yeah. to make them more palatable for, you know, uh, someone who's maybe never had that type of food, but it's more so I think the way you approach it and you share your recipes makes it less, just less scary. I, that's how I felt watching. I was like, Oh, I can make this like, oh, and I've man. never made anything like that. But like, I feel like, yeah, I can, I can make that and it's going to taste really good. And like, you just have a really good way of sharing stories and recipes simultaneously that I think um, is really special. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. And I, I, I will say as the, one of the first things I thought of, I was like, I have to ask her like, what's, what's one of your favorite recipes of all time? Like if you're like having like a bad day and you're like super bummed out and you just like want to make something that's going to like fill you with joy. Like what is that recipe? Honestly, like, anything I'm like I just need to eat like I'm definitely like one of those people that emotionally eats and so anything will make me feel better I love cinnamon rolls specifically oh those make me very happy um but honestly like sometimes like I just made this amazing soup and like I was not expecting it to turn out as good as it as it did and I've been eating it for the past three days straight because nobody else is eating it and I'm not mad about it at all. It makes me so happy. Like I just need to be eating something delicious and it makes and it just makes my day. Like I am definitely somebody that goes to bed thinking about breakfast. I mean, I can relate to that, especially, especially the last few months mm. during COVID. There hasn't been much to look forward yeah. to, just in general. Yeah. And sure. I personally 
had never really cooked that much actually until this March. Like I, I would make very simple things, but I really started trying actual recipes in March. And I have to say that like, it is one of the things that I'm most proud of of 2020 i'm like i learned how to cook like i can fucking cook now how do you like it it. like how do you like cooking i get it like i get it now like i get why my mom was like oh i'm so tired but i'm gonna go make dinner for like 17 people Mm. and i was like bitch are you crazy and she's (laughs) and and she would tell me like she's like it's relaxing it's relaxing and i'm like that seems exhausting, but, but I get it now. It is, there's something about it that really helps you decompress. Yeah, I think and it's like, it's it, literally just like the, um, once you get comfortable with it, it is mind yeah. in a way. Yes. It's, it's like very therapeutic. Mm-hmm. It's very relaxing. It's like, you know, you're just mixing all these ingredients and the, and everything smells so good. And, yeah. and it just, it's really I also started realizing why moms tend to make food and then not eat the food mm-hmm. because yeah. sometimes I find that like I'll be making something and I'm really excited about it. But by the time I'm done with it, I'm just like more so satisfied with the fact that I made it yeah, rather yeah, yeah. than actually eating it, which is also very fucking weird. <laughs> I wish I was like that. I like admire <laughs> it, but I unfortunately eat everything that I make which is oh I mean I I I mean I eat it don't get me wrong (laughs) but like I'm I feel like I'm not hungry anymore like I feel like there's something yes it's satisfying just to make the food like I'm eating it just because well I made it so I'm obviously gonna fucking eat it but like that feeling of hunger kind of dissipates and just turns into like this like oh I'm just proud that I made this beautiful meal that tastes really good. Like I don't even need to eat it to feel satisfied, which again, truly puzzling. And like, I'm telling you, if you've, if, if you're listening and you've never tried cooking, like just try fucking cooking. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's not as hard. I mean, it is hard, but it's not as hard as you think. It yeah. Is. It's definitely not as hard as you think it is. If you have like, if honestly, just like take the time one day, it's like creating anything else. Like the process and the outcome are like two different experiences, especially with cooking, right? Like cooking itself is so like, Personally, I find it so rewarding. And then like at the end of it, you get to eat what you made. Like how exciting mm-hmm. is that? Like it's different than like I love painting and you know, the process of painting is beautiful, but it's like a different feeling being able to like stuff your face with a cinnamon roll as opposed to like right. hanging the painting on the wall. You know what I mean? Like they're just not comparable. I would love to stuff my face with a cinnamon roll more than <laughs> more than anything exactly. in the world right now. I'm like, that does sound like exactly what I want to do. Um, but I want to ask you just because I know we touched on it very briefly in the beginning, but now I'm j- now I'm just being nosy. Okay. How how did you meet your husband? Um, we met at a friend's wedding in Morocco. In Morocco? Yeah. That's fucking cool. Yeah, that's, it was really that's, sick. That's a great great meet cute story like oh we met at a wedding in Morocco like that's <laughs> that's very you should definitely be telling people that all the time constantly like just you meet someone for the first time you're like hi my name is Zainab I wrote a cookbook I also met my husband at a wedding in Morocco I think like, I'm like still like like still too awkward about the being married so young part like to even mention it wait how old were you when you got married Oof, I don't want to remember <laughs> um 20 I think 20 I'm like you're 20. Oh my yeah. God. Okay. So for those of you who are listening to this, who might think 20, that's crazy. Uh, Muslim people be getting married young. I don't know like what even else to tell Even for like, like my community, that's really young. Like my sisters got married at 23, which is like more normal still on right, the right, right. side. But yeah. 20 is like, is weird for everybody, I think. 
why did you end up getting married so young? I don't know. It felt right. Like, I think about that a lot. <laughs> like, you know, it was, it's like an interesting decision. Why did you do it? And I, yeah. don't know, I think it, I think it just felt right. Like I, I don't know. It was, I think he, he was like everything that I wanted. And so it's kind of like, why waste time? I, I mean, I think that that's a super valid reason to get married. Cause when you meet that person and you love them and you know, you want to be with them, like, what, what are you waiting yeah. for exactly? Like, you know what I mean? So I just, I think it's really interesting whenever I meet people who get married young, because, you know, it's, it's kind of, um, one of two things either. Oh, uh, you know, I found the right person. I love them. We got married. I love that story. That's my favorite story. Mm -hmm. But then there's also like, we were dating and my parents found out. So we had to get married. Oh, no. That's not, that's not my favorite. Yeah, that's yeah, like, yeah. I don't like that. Cause I'm like, uh, I feel like it should be a mutual decision between the two people who mm -hmm. are getting married. Agreed. You know, this is, yeah. And, and I mean, my niece got married when she was, I think 21 mm -hmm. and she literally married her middle school sweetheart. Oh and my like, God, that's so cute. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, that's fucking adorable. Like they're that like, yeah, like I support yeah, it. Like, yeah, if yeah. any of, if anyone else I knew was like, Oh, I just met this guy and I'm 21 and I want to marry him. I'd be like, get the fuck out of here. But like, when you know that it's right, mm -hmm. that it's just like, yeah, how are you going to, yeah, exactly. How, you you can't deny your love for someone and wanting to start your life with them like that's that's beautiful and we have like uh, a, a fairly like broad age gap I would say um which that's hot also <laughs> <laughs> which also like it definitely like like put things into perspective for me because like I just didn't think I was gonna find somebody I'm like so cheesy right now I don't even want to say it, but I, I, didn't I, think, I, I love this. <laughs> I didn't think I was going to find somebody. I, my parents sort of always instilled in us to like marry within the community, which like is its own issue. Right. But like in terms of that, I, he is part of my community and he like was everything that I wanted, which I didn't think I would find in our community, which right. was another like huge motivator. It's like, okay, he's creative. He understands these things that a lot of other people wouldn't about me. And he like doesn't he never treated me my age, which was like so weird to me, but I really appreciated it. He he didn't see me for my age, which is yeah. I like I think also what made me comfortable is like he's not gonna turn around and be like, You're a child, you know what I mean? Which is a right. is a very right. real thing that happens, especially with like big age dynamics. I've heard about it from so many people being like, just be careful because like one day he's gonna be like, You're a child. And I was like, I cannot even like foresee that happening. You know, and I think that would be a a huge red flag. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Because yeah, yeah, yeah. that's him using the age and power dynamic as like a weapon against you, yeah. kind of thing. So the fact that your husband doesn't do that, I will say, I like it. I approve of. Yeah, it. good job. Like, not, good job not being an asshole. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The fact that we even have to applaud that, but it is. Great. Yeah. Um, but that, like, I don't know. I don't think. I think that he is like a very unique person which is like what drew me to him most. Like, I don't know a lot of people, like especially in my community that would be comfortable with the things that I'm doing and supporting them. And I think yeah, even that like comes with its own set of challenges for him, but he like never makes me feel any type of way. I can only imagine, you know, the things people say or the way he feels about like me doing the things that I'm doing, perhaps like not, maybe he's not in love with it, but I, I would never know, which I really appreciate. And I think there is something to be said because I think for a lot of people, 
who aren't Muslim who or who aren't familiar with like the Muslim community, understanding how relationships work yeah. is very confusing, especially because even as someone who's a part of a Muslim community, everything is very like, confu- it's just very confusing because everyone it's so does culturally it motivated too. like, exactly. it's not even like, like, because of Islam that they feel the way they feel about like, right. women, it's right? Like entirely culture. And it's just like what they've seen in the past and what's sort of been happening. And I think right. there's like a huge wave of change happening now, especially like with within Muslim communities and Eastern culture of like seeing women do the things that they want to do. And like being a part of that change is obviously like uncomfortable. Any change is uncomfortable, but I think Absolutely. persevering through it is like, it's really, we're really going to see like amazing things coming from Muslim women. And I mean, we have already, right. There's like so, so much happening where you're just like, okay, I'm so proud to be a part of like this group of women that are really changing mm-hmm. things. It's it's so inspiring and it does make me feel so proud seeing Muslim women thriving yeah. in every field, mm-hmm. in every way. Like seeing you, you're a young Muslim woman and you have a cookbook and like you're doing shit. And I saw that you just had a pop-up in New York the other day. And like you're you're out here, you're doing it, you're hustling, you're doing what you need to do. Like you're in bon appetit, like you're 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 really doing it. And that's something that when I was 20 was unimaginable, truly, like, not to make myself sound like a million years old, I'm 31. But when I was 20, if I saw a Muslim woman in Bon Appetit, I would have been shocked, yeah. like, truly, like, holy shit, like, or if I saw like a Muslim woman in, in a Target ad, I would be like, what am I? Am I hallucinating? Like, it, it, like am, am I on drugs? Yeah. Like, what's going on? But I think it just, it's really cool, like how you were kind of talking about, um, which I don't think it's cheesy at all. And I, I think it's really beautiful, like kind of how you just spoke about your husband. Like, I'm like, listen, I, I fucking love that shit. Maybe it's because it's cuffing season. And I'm feeling <laughs> a little extra. I'm feeling a little extra soft right now. But I'm like, that just really warmed my heart. But I think it is there's something to be said about being a Muslim woman and being, I guess, for lack of what better words, um, more progressive and finding a partner who understands that and respects that, but still also simultaneously understands and respects your culture and your background. And so, and, and what you were saying about, you know, I never thought I would find someone in my community who checked all those boxes. Listen, that's a real issue. That's a real problem. And and, and, and it does seem like it's almost like impossible. Like it's like a diamond in the rough type of situation. Mm-hmm. Like the, ch- the chances of you finding a guy who's a part of your community and you actually like him and don't <laughs> think he's super fucking annoying yeah. and he, he gets you and he supports you. And I mean, I think generally speaking for women, the bar is so low when it comes to men. Mm-hmm. So like when you even find someone who fills out most of the criteria, it's just like, yeah, let's get married like tomorrow. Let's yeah, just, let's that's do that. Exactly yeah. what happened, literally. So I'm like, I completely. I mean, I that's 100. percent I would do the same thing. I'd be like, cool. This is, and that was actually very smart of you at a young age to recognize that because unfortunately, it took me way longer because I was in denial. I was like, no, I'm sure there are so many cool Muslim guys. I was wrong, guys. <laughs> I was wrong. If you're Muslim and you meet a cool Muslim guy, marry him. Marry him immediately. You'll never find another one. Um, <laughs> So just putting it out there. Honestly, it, solid advice. Solid. Like, listen, I know you're young. I, I love how I'm just like no, but, encouraging but also, child I'm, brides right now. I will say like being a child bride comes with its own set of like really 
freaking hard stuff. Like it's not easy to like be chasing these things. And like those responsibilities don't go away. You know what I mean? It's not like, it's not like my husband's like, let me do the laundry for you. No, I still do the laundry. Like there are still those cultural dynamics at play that you sort of have to work through. And I mean, they come around like to things here and there, but I mean, you're not going to change somebody, especially if your age gap is huge and like they're very set in their ways, which is like my case. Um, You just have to do more, which is like harder, you know? A hundred percent. And I think that, you know, every relationship kind of has these difficulties and these compromises. And I think in general, being in a relationship while you're working hard and hustling, there is something to be said about that because it is very hard to sustain a healthy relationship and also do all the work you need to do. They have to be on that same page. Like they have to also be hustling for it to work. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And that's, that's also so important. Like if you are a very ambitious person, I feel like um, being with someone who doesn't have those like same goals or someone who maybe won't like take it on, you could maybe motivate somebody and inspire somebody to also be super ambitious, but there needs to be a mutual respect for that. Otherwise, like it's going to be really hard. A thousand percent. And I think that that's also, I love how this is now just like a relationship advice podcast (laughs) where like, here's what you need to do. Um, But no, it's true. If you're super motivated and you are just hustling and working really hard, being with someone who just kind of is content with the status quo, Mm -hmm. which there's nothing wrong with that. But I do think that there will be a lot of conflict because that person might expect more of your attention Mm -hmm. than realistically you're able to give them. But if they're on the same wavelength as you, then they know she's not being selfish. She's just doing what she needs to do. And, And maybe that can be perceived as being selfish, but then so be it. Maybe you are selfish. There's nothing wrong with that. Like you investing in yourself and your future. He's also selfish, right? You know what I mean? Right. We're both, and I think we're both, I don't, wouldn't call it selfish. I think we're both very independent people, which is why it works. Like I give him the space because like, I'm not super needy and I have my own things happening and the Mm -hmm. same back. Like he's not super needy. He has so much happening that like, we both have the time and then we make we make time for each other too right like it you you find your own balance like through it all but i think those core values being like on the same page about ambition and work and sort of what you want to do with your life is super important and i mean i think just in general though i think that you know finding someone who like has mutual respect for you is just the key to like a healthy relationship. Yeah. And I know that sounds so cheesy, but it's not, it's not the norm, unfortunately. Yeah, no, like I hear not. I hear so many people talking about like their husbands or their boyfriends or whatever. And I'm just like that he just doesn't respect you. Yeah. Like, th- like I mean I'm not gonna say that, but like I'm definitely no, thinking it. I'm like he just doesn't respect you like as a as a human being like he almost views you as like half a human because yeah, like, you're a woman exactly and it's, that's like such a real insane. reality that like sometimes you get stuck with and it's like are, like will they ever not see me like that and yeah either you decide that like somebody else will respect you or you decide that like this is my like position in life as a woman which is never the right answer I think but like it's like an annoying reality I could go on Oh, for sure. And I I, I just want to say one more thing, just because I've definitely made the, this mistake before. But like you were talking about how you're both independent people, I think, personally, that is the best way to be in a relationship. That doesn't mean that you don't rely on that person. That doesn't mean that you don't need that person in some way. But like being independent and being okay 
on your own yeah. is so important because I think for me personally, I find it to be a turnoff if someone is like super needy yeah, and just exactly. feels like they can't live without me. So like, how would that person feel if I did that to them? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I'm the same. I like, I can't do the like super needy situation. I just don't think it's sustainable, like long term. I yeah, think it's not healthy. The other person is to be like, okay, maybe this was like cute for five minutes, mm-hmm. but now it's just really fucking annoying because yeah. like, I can't take you to work with me. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, people will notice and they will think it's weird. Um, but I just, I really want to know how, what's the age difference? I got to know. I got to know. Oh, Zainab, I'm, so sorry. I'm like, I got to listen to this. <laughs> like, I'm going like, to you the exact, like the exact number of days. <laughs> like we're going to, we're going to count like every single day. I'm kidding. Um, it's like about nine years. That's not that bad. That's. I thought it was. I thought it. And my, I want to let you know. I thought it was going to be like fifteen. Oh no! I'm saying that I like actually, it's so crazy. Like different from nine. No, I think <laughs> that nine, 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 ten years. I think is healthy, especially because women um, mature a lot faster than men. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, sorry, men, but you're you're just you're just not at the same level as us. So I think that's actually perfect because you probably are at the same mental place <laughs> I'm now just like attacking your husband basically um I'm not attacking him but no I think that that's healthy I think that's fine I like it I, like I said I've always liked men who are a little bit older than me yeah, I think it's hot I support it I agree and men in their early 20s listen I know that I have listeners who are in their early 20s and this isn't meant to discourage you <laughs> but just know that there's a lot of work that you still really yeah. need to work on men in you, there's a lot their early for 20s you. are not the right idea Never. You need to grow. You need to learn. Keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> Just keep keep expanding your mind. Stay curious. Uh, stay curious. <laughs> keep asking questions. <laughs> See, this is why I like talking to people who also are addicted to TikTok. <laughs> I wasn't sure uh, if you were going to get it, but I was like, it'll work either way. I mean, listen, if I didn't get it, I should not be allowed to have a phone because I invest <laughs> about two hours a day on TikTok. So if I didn't pick up on that, I would throw my phone away. <laughs> um, I wanted, so I wanted to talk a little bit more about your cookbook and like what inspired you to, to create this, this book. Um, so honestly the project, like for one, and then my professor really loved the outcome and he was like, you know, you should totally publish this. And then I sort of had the support of my husband being like, yeah, do it. And at, at first it was like, okay, like I'll print like 15 copies. Like that's yeah. how many, like I think we'll sell. And he was like, no. And I'm like, what do you mean? No, like I don't want to be sitting on inventory for like ever. You know what I mean? I've seen, I've seen that happen to people and like I yeah. hate clutter. So that I'm just, that's not happen <laughs> to me. Like I'm not going to have like 800 cookbooks sitting in, in my guest room. You know what I mean? But he was like, just do it. Just do it. Like you're motivated. You can do it. You can sell them. So we ended up ordering a bunch more. And then like at the same time, the TikTok started growing. So with the TikTok growing and all like I have this new cookbook, like the sales were just sort of happening. Like I didn't even realize, you know, Um, and now I don't have that many left, which is really exciting. That is really exciting. But also I can completely understand why it's scary because you do see that a lot where people will get all this inventory for whatever, whether it's a book or merch or anything, and then they're just stuck with it. And then it's just sitting there like like, taunting them. Like failure. Exactly. It's like, oh, you couldn't sell these books. You couldn't sell these books. So it was like super scary. But I think like the timing all aligned and like 
people were really interested, like from the few TikTok videos I posted with the recipes, they ended up buying it. Um, I was able to like collaborate with a bunch of really exciting like food brands um, on the cookbook. And so it's just been a really fun experience. And I love like being the one to like, to teach people about this like new cuisine and really like encourage people to like be in the kitchen and cook. Definitely. And also I think your kind of your cultural background comes into play as well because you're, you're like East African Indian, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, th- this is now I'm just going to like, I don't know why I'm even guessing. I could just ask you, but like, isn't that where like uh, your like ancestors are from India and then they've like migrated yeah. to like East Africa. Okay, cool. Cause I, I have friends who, whose parents are also like East African Indian and it is kind of this like mishmash of all these cultures, but I feel like it takes like the best parts of all the cultures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it is definitely like a mishmash, but it's like so exciting. I mean, the food culture is incredible. Like that's my favorite part of about my community is like, yeah, the food culture is like outstanding because with a lot of Indian food, there's no meat, right? Because it's, um, it's mostly lamb. Uh, vegetarian. Yeah, and vegetarian, right? Yeah. With, in, with um, East African food, like it's a lot of Muslims and Christians. So the beef thing is not an issue. So you end up like with those amazing Indian flavors applied to um, meat and then like remixed. And then mm-hmm. there's like super incredible tropical flavors like yuca, coconut um, mixed in too. And it's just like unreal. It's so good. I When next time you come to New York, I'll have to feed you. Oh my God. If you don't feed me, I will just <laughs> start like s- sobbing at your door and be like, please feed me. Um, but I do think it's really cool because I was looking through some of your like recipes from your book and I was like, these really are unlike anything yeah. that like I've, I've ever seen. I'll be honest with you. Like I, I've definitely had East African food and I've definitely had Indian food, but this is like a remix. It's like you said, it's like literally stuff. this, it's so cool. And I just, I feel like it's also really beautiful. Do your parents, are they like really excited that you've decided to like really embrace your culture or do they just not care? No, no, no. Um, my parents are really excited. My dad is super cute. Um, my mom is like very, I don't know how to describe it. She's like, she is definitely like an affectionate mom, but not like a super like supportive with words, like not a you're doing cool. great sweetie kind of, kind of mom. I get it. So she's my mom. I totally understand. <laughs> um, but she's super happy. She like wanted her copy of the cookbook. She was she was really patient with me throughout the entire like cookbook and recipe developing process, which like largely came from her. Every time I yeah. got like her food, it's like such a process because she's just like put a little bit of this and a little bit of this. And I'm like, that's not how it works. Like I need like, yeah. specific measurements. And she's like, I don't yes. have them. And that's another reason was like, okay, if I can't get this out to like beyond my community, at least it can still be a resource within my community because I know a lot of other people who have said the same thing, like, oh, I want to make this food, but like, I don't know how to make it. And it's like so complicated because I have to figure everything out. And so I was like, okay, you can eat the food that you like and that you're comfortable with, like without your mom's help, like through the cookbook, like at the very least, like it's a, it's a resource in that way, if not like introducing different people to the cuisine. And I think that I mean, I was particularly triggered why when you said when you ask your mom for a recipe and she doesn't have measurements, because during this year when I decided to cook, I would like text my mom and be like, hey, like I want to make this Arab dish. Like, how do I make it? And she would just give me these like very vague instructions. Yeah. And I was like, wait, 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 how much flour do I need? She's like like, the list of ingredients. uh, Like, okay, what do I do with this? My mom is just ingredient list. And I'm like, I yes! don't know how much to put of anything ever. 
she just eyeballs it. And I'm like, listen, you maniac. I'm not doing that. I'm not going to waste three hours making this dough exactly. based off of like eyeballing yeah. it. Like I'm not a chef. Now's baby. not the like, time to be arbitrary what? about things. Yeah, exactly. Like, why are you being so mysterious <laughs> about it? And that was the other thing. Like I was getting so annoyed. I'm like, just tell me, just tell yeah, me. They don't know. Use. Like she's like, uh, maybe like a cup, maybe like a cup and a half. I'm like, not the same thing, mom. Not the, the same thing. thing. My mom measures Please. in mugs, like mugs. Like what oh, is a mug? My God, what the fuck is a mug? So it, it roughly is a, a, a cup and a quarter, but after like all of our recipe testing, but like all of her, if they have measurements, which is usually for the baked goods, it's like a mug of rice, a mug of flour. I'm like, where, who, why? You know what I mean? Like, And, and I think it's so interesting watching my mom cook mm-hmm. because she generally does base it off of like her intuition which I think is like super impressive but also so crazy to me because I'm like can you imagine just like grabbing a bunch of just being like I guess I'll just put like this like what the like everything about it I'm like this is I could I could never I don't think I could ever get to that point I mean, that's a big maybe. That's a huge maybe. I like following recipes with very descriptive instructions. Yeah. In fact, sometimes I'll do this thing where if I find like a recipe like on Bon Appetit or something, I will write it out on my notes okay, in my no own way. way, in my own way to make it. Because sometimes I'm like, I don't, I, I, maybe because I'm, I'm like an amateur cook, like the way I read it, I'm like, I wish they would have told me that this step was like, coming up next or like that I needed to prep this or something like that so like I'll go through it and then I'll write it out in an outline in a way that like my brain can process better which is so weird that's probably smart you'll probably get the best outcome that way and I'm not gonna lie I've never knock on wood I've never fucked up a recipe that's that's it that's the way to do it noted and I, even though I did burn sauce the other day for the first time ever, oh, and I let me ask you this. I did see that on TikTok. I did see you. Yeah, I, I burnt my sauce. Uh-huh. And so I was like, okay, how can I fix this? So I started adding a bunch of basil. Okay. That that would help. Mm-hmm. It didn't. Okay. So then I started adding salt. Mm-hmm. The salt actually helped a little bit, I think. Yeah, that, that but, spicy vodka sauce needs a lot of salt. But I will say, I couldn't get rid of that burnt taste. Mm-hmm. What would you do if your sauce was burnt? Would you just start all over? Because that's what I thought. I was like, I should have just started all over. So usually, like, it'll be like a, like a thin, like, sort of lining on the bottom of the pan of burnt, right? Okay. I would just transfer all of the not burnt part. So don't even mix it. Like, leave the, like, burnt part to be burnt. Oh, you know, that's what I did. That's literally what I did. Okay, perfect. I literally... I know, I know, no. I'm saying I did the dumb thing. Like I scraped oh. the part off and like mixed it in. Cause then I was like, yeah. I don't want this to stick to my pan. Mm-hmm. Like that was my thought process. I'm like, ew, it's like burnt on my pan. So let me just, yeah, let me just like scrape it off. And like soak the burnt part in water. Um, but that way none of the burnt flavor gets into like the not burnt part. You know what I'm saying? I just literally, I cooked the burnt part into it. Mm. That's what I did. I like literally let it fully like, just really the burnt flavor. Yeah. I, 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 I just intensified it with a little bit of basil and salt. Delicious. I mean, it was disgusting. I, I, I'm not going to lie. It tastes cause it was so burnt that I was just like, this is fucking disgusting. <laughs> and I hate wasting food. I, I, I refuse. 
I'm very, 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 I don't know how I'm, it's just like ingrained in my mind. Like you never waste food. Yeah. That's like not an option. I don't give a shit what you do, but you cannot waste food. Mm-hmm. And I'm very embarrassed to admit I had to throw out the entire batch of, it was oh, so bad. Mm-hmm. Like there was nothing I could do about it. And I was so upset. I was like, you dumb bitch, no. you dumb, dumb bitch. You should have. I, it's never happened to me before. <laughs> so I found it, I found it very traumatic. Um, I might never make a sauce again. Who can say? Like, I'm just like, do that. This is what this is what happens when you step away from your pan for an extra five minutes. This okay, is exactly I have what a happens. question for you. I'm ready. What sign are you? I'm an Aries. Oh. What does that mean? I know nothing <laughs> about horoscopes. I'm like I'm notorious for knowing absolutely fucking nothing about horoscopes. So I want to know what that O means. Um, to be honest, I don't know much about Aries. <laughs> So that's more like a, I didn't see that coming because that's never the top of mind. Like I feel like what did you think I was? Um, either Sagittarius or Capricorn. More so. Are Capricorn. they crazy? They're just like really exciting people. That's I would. Oh my crazy. god! I am exciting. Thank you so much for for. I feel seen. Um, <laughs> I feel very. I I and that's the thing. I think that when I yell, a lot of times people do think I'm really angry, but I'm not. I am just really. I'm an excited passionate intense person yeah so if I even slightly seem agitated it does seem like I am extremely upset and I might be like on the verge of like you know I don't know doing something crazy (laughs) but like I I I I am totally fine it's just how I express myself um wait what's your sign I'm a Virgo does that does that mean that you're like really organized because I feel like you're really organized yeah that's exactly what that means Holy shit, that's amazing. Because like, that's the first thing I kind of noticed when I was looking at your content is I was like, this girl is super organized. Like, there's no way she's not like, doesn't have a planner. Oh, yeah, I I love planners. But I feel like I couldn't not like if I didn't have the planner, my life would be like a shit show. I would be missing everything always. Because I agree. There's just too much I think with school, especially like, and the assignments and like virtual schools, like a whole nother like, Oh, like, don't even get me started. It's the worst thing <laughs> in the whole world. And like the assignments just are piling because the professors are like, they have like quotas to meet and they're like talking to their higher ups all the time. And like the classroom environment is like non-existent. Like I'm basically like camera off. Like I literally have a piece of tape in front of my camera just like because I never <laughs> wear, I wear a hijab, right? So like, yeah, yeah. I'm not about to like, the most I'll do is like put on a hoodie if I like have a presentation, but I'm not like about to wrap my whole turban for like my like professor, you know? No, fuck that. No, I listen, I will wear a hoodie. If someone wants to have a zoom conference with me with video, and they did not specifically say it's going to have video, you're gonna see me in a hoodie. Like you should have told me before. Listen, I just I, I these things. I think when it comes to hijabis, like people don't realize like you can't just FaceTime me. Silly. Like, yeah, you can't just FaceTime. You can't just FaceTime me. Like there are things that I need to do. Exactly. It just feels silly too to like be where like even when I like have to film these like takeover Instagram takeovers and stuff, um, like where I cook and like they want my face in it or whatever. Like even when I have to put on my turban, like for those, I'm like, what am I doing? Like I'm in my home right now. You know what I right. mean? It just feels weird. I- it is a thousand percent why I don't do skincare videos that often mm-hmm. because I wish doing would, my though. skincare, but doing my skincare with a hijab on is the silliest thing in the entire world. I just want to put that out there. I feel. Like it's, 
and I've tried doing the thing where I put like a wrap a towel mm. around my hair. Like I just got out of the shower or something, yeah. but then that also, I feel like looks really stupid as well. Mm. Like, I just feel like everything about it feels so stupid. So it just makes me like, I'm just like, listen, Can I just say you, you have the most incredible skin, like glass um, skin. Oh, I, I will start crying right now, Zainab. Is that what you want? <laughs> do you want me to cry? Thank you so much. I, I will say I do a lot of shit to my skin. It's 1000% worth it. it. It's like incredible. But also, shout out to my dad. I, I, You may have noticed that I did not mention my mom, but shout out <laughs> to my dad for those. My mom is just like, my mom is like the epitome of like a white woman who never wore sunscreen. Yeah. So she has a lot too. of sun. Oh, she has a lot of sun damage. Not the white like, woman part. <laughs> not, <laughs> but like... <laughs> I mean, my mom is an Arab woman, but you know what I mean? She's, she's a white woman and, um, she, she never took care of her skin. And so that's the thing. Like, I'm like, I know that I might look like that if I don't, <laughs> but also shout out to my dad for the genes that he has provided. Cause he has that Mediterranean Ooh. olive skin tone. Yeah. He has that greasy T zone going on that, that helps you not get wrinkles, which I'm going to be honest with you. Whenever teenagers complain about, complain about having oily skin, I'm like, you realize that you have like built-in anti-aging. I didn't That's even what oily that. skin is. Yeah. Oily, the oilier skin is the less susceptible you are to fine lines and wrinkles. So like you should be grateful because yeah, maybe it's kind of annoying that you're greasy, but also you're not going to age as quickly as someone with really dry you just skin. just traumatized me because I have like excruciatingly dry skin. So the next few years you can, be fun. You're, you're not, it's not, it's not a lost cause. <laughs> you just need to use a really, a really hydrating lotion and then seal it in with an oil. What's your fave moisturizer? Oh, the uh, Lord Jones. It's like a CBD moisturizer. Ooh. I'm going to be honest with you. I did not. I did not think I would like it. I'm just okay. going to put it out there. I thought I, I, I like their CBD line for like, um like body aches and stuff. But again, I'm still kind of on the fence. Like, uh, there's not that much research yeah, yeah, yeah. CBD being used topically and all that stuff. But I will say that moisturizer, my skin has never been better. Ooh, like truly, I was like at the peak of like my skin looking fucking dope was when I was using that moisturizer. And it's like under $60, I think. The only other moisturizer I would compare it to is one by Augustinus Bader, which is like, I think $200. Ooh. So Honestly, I, I don't I'm know just why putting it that. I pay like so much money for like my drunk elephant skincare. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, listen, everyone is spending a lot on skincare. So it is at the point, but the Augustinus Bader one is so good. Mm -hmm. It's, it was literally, it was um, developed by a doctor who was uh, creating creams for um, people who had um, severe burns on their skin. Ooh. So it's made with a lot of healing ingredients. So it really helps to like deeply nourish, hydrate and heal your skin. But okay. Um, I love how this is now becoming a skincare podcast, but I wanted to ask you because I was, I was thinking of this about this before we recorded. I actually haven't had a hijabi on my podcast in oh, a while. No so I'm like, I kind of, I'm interested. When did you start wearing your hijab? Um, so when I was 11, I was in fifth grade. Um, and so I used to go on a lot of like spiritual trips with my dad and mm -hmm. it was kind of like that's like the highlight of my childhood was sort of like all of those trips. My dad, my dad and his um, really good friend used to take like a bunch of community people on these trips. Um, and I would always go with him. I get, I don't know why, but like I never was around in elementary school because I was like always on these trips with him. And that was sort of like always something that I really appreciated about like um, 
the Middle East in general was sort of their ability to like like portray their faith in such a like unbothered way. It was like so normal, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and so after like a bunch of those, it was, I decided it was something that I really appreciated about Islam and I put it on in the fifth grade and like sort of have never taken it off. I made the switch from like the traditional like wrapped um, version probably – like as soon as I graduated high school, it was like one of those things that I was like waiting to do was like to put on the turban, but I didn't want to like do it in high school. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah, that was it then. And it's been like four, five years now that I've been wearing the turban and I probably won't switch back. So I'm interested in asking you this because I also started wearing a hijab when I was 11. Mm -hmm. But when I started wearing a hijab, I lived in Malaysia. And then after that, I lived in Dubai. So I had a solid five years of wearing a hijab and getting used to it in a most predominantly Muslim country. Mm -hmm. So I feel like that definitely made that transition very easy for me. Yeah. What was that transition like for you living in New Jersey? Oh, so basically, um, my I have two older sisters. One is seven years older than me. One is 10 years older than me. So the one that's 10 years older than me um, doesn't wear a scarf. And the one that's seven years older than me, like put it on when she was nine and never took it off. And that was sort of like always the sibling that like I like that was like my favorite sibling growing up. So like yeah. I always had her as like my ideal of like, oh, she's great. She's great. So if she's doing it, it's great. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think that like um, – being that that was always like top of mind that like, oh, I love my sister and I want to be just like her. I never thought about it like in a negative way. And so even if maybe negative things were happening to me, I never like they never registered. Like I get asked like a lot about like, you know, did you ever get bullied? And like I remember in fifth grade specifically, I just, it was literally like a, on Friday I wasn't wearing it. On Monday I was situation. And that's amazing. Um, my like few friends like in in the class like nope like everybody was like super nice about it you know what I mean like I never had any issues I think I remember in sixth grade uh, when like we moved to middle school and there was a whole nother school coming in and nobody knew me like any other way was there more of like a, oh who is that what is that like what is she doing yeah. kind of thing but like because my sister went through the exact same school system there was sort of a familiarity like we were the Muslim like family in the town that yeah. wore a scarf my mom wore a scarf like you know, like it, it, that was like us. Yeah. And I think there's something to be said about having a role model. And that's yeah. why, you know, whenever I hear people kind of um, discrediting Muslim girls online, you know, posting photos or whatever, and I'm not even just saying that because I am one of those girls, yeah. but I truly think that we, you and I are lucky in that we had these role models, right, that we respected, and we wanted to be like them. So it was this driving force that made us felt like everything is going to be okay. Yeah. And I think for a lot of younger Muslim women who maybe don't have that role model, not being able to have one at all would be, yeah, devastating. Exactly. And so that's why I do think it's so important to have that representation in the way that it is right now. Because I just think about all of those young girls who literally didn't have that. Like I, yeah. I if I did not have my sisters, I didn't have uh, any other person to look at where I felt like that person's cool. I want to be like, yeah. Them. And you know what I mean? Like so many like hijab narratives too. Like I remember as a kid, I constantly heard the like, I don't know if like hijab is like the right thing, like living in America mm-hmm. because you attract more attention by wearing it mm-hmm. than you mm-hmm. than you would if you didn't. So like by that like by that like notion, then it's like actually not modest at all because you're like directly attracting attention, and you know exact and you know that you're doing it by wearing this in a place where it's not normal. 
And I'm like, oh, wait, like that kind of makes sense, you know? And I think that like my rationalization with the whole situation has been wearing turban where I'm like, this is like a happy medium where like I am practicing my faith. I am hiding like my hair and whatever like aspect of beauty that offers me at the same time, you know, it's not, it's not in any like super intense manner where it like could be Mm -hmm. seen as offensive or over like attention grabbing in that way. But like you, you just need to like see it for you to feel comfortable and like see other people doing it and, and living lives normally, I think is like a whole nother thing. Like, and like feeling like it's not a hindrance. Yeah. I think that that's also, I think, a scary factor about hijab for a lot of young women is that like, if I wear a hijab, can I still do this? Can I still do that? And I think that that entire narrative needs to be eliminated because yeah. like hijab is not meant to prevent you from doing anything that you want to do. Exactly. Like, I sort of you- feel like it brings it out because if you want it bad enough, you'll do it with your hijab anyway. Right, right, I mean. right, right. I love how, like, as soon as I said that, though, the first thing that popped into my med- head, this is why I have no internal uh, monologue at all. <laughs> but the first thing that popped into my head was, I was like, I mean, I guess it would be hard to be like a sex worker if you oh, were okay. a job. Like, yeah, I guess yeah, it would yeah, stand yeah, yeah. in the way of that. So like, maybe you can't be a sex worker, mm-hmm. but you can do other stuff. Yeah, you you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I remember I used to play baseball and I used to like, I started wearing shorts playing baseball and then I started wearing I'm not baseball. What is the one that girls play? Softball. Uh, Softball. Yeah. So I used to play that um, in elementary school or like early middle school and like everyone wears shorts. And I was like, you know, I don't want to like wear leggings right now. Um, So I used to wear shorts and like baseball socks are like super high. Oh my God. Oh my God. I I mean, listen, have we, we've all been there. We've all, listen, we can't judge people for the first few years of their (laughs) job and how they, please. At least you wore socks. I was straight up where I would wear Bermuda shorts with a hijab when I first started wearing oh, it. Like I literally gave no fucks. Like I was just like, I'm, I'm in my mind. I was like, I'm really out here doing this. I'm a woman. I'm a lady. And then I look back at photos and I'm fully wearing Bermuda shorts, a t-shirt, and then like a full hijab. And when I say, when I say full hijab, I mean like that very early 2000s the style type, where like, it's like, on. You no 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 I'm not Syrian no offense to Syrian people but that is a very stereotypically Syrian thing I wore it like I would take a square scarf and I would fold it into a triangle and I would take one end and wrap it over my head and take the other end and drape and drape it across my chest that's the way to do but it but I would wear it with a t-shirt and Bermuda shorts so I respect that I want you to just imagine that take a second appreciate it now you imagine me. And an like oversized <laughs> softball jersey, basketball shorts, and like like those uh, super high socks that like went to your knees that were always yeah. tie dyed, and you would get the ones that like match your team colors. That was yup, and in the slip on hijab, most likely. I don't remember, but I'm gonna. Um, it's like it's probably that. You know what? Let me let me. I take back what I said about Syrians. Syrians and young girls <laughs> wear those hijabs. It just doesn't again. I know this sounds like a dig. It's not a dig. It's just the truth. Nobody can deny facts. the convenience that the slip-on hijabs offer. Listen, I I can't lie and say that when I become an old woman, I too won't be rocking a little slip-on hijab. They are convenient. Yeah. And I, I mean, I get it. And Syrians, you're on to something. I get it. I see what you're doing. You know what? Maybe... Maybe I might start doing that tomorrow. That's a lie. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I don't like anything touching... I don't like anything touching... Um, 
like my like right under my neck I guess yeah, yeah, yeah. my jaw mm. I feel like I'm it's suffocating yeah me. I can't explain it that's why when whenever I wear a Nike hijab I basically put it on like it's a turban oh really how so you take you take the part that's supposed to go under your chin and instead of putting it under your chin you put it at the nape of your neck. Uh-huh. So you kind of put it on like a headband. Okay. Nice. And then you take the excess fabric and you just literally tuck it in into the back. All right. I'm going to try it. And it's, and it's so easy. Um, and I actually learned that from one of my friends and um, it's, it was like the most genius thing. I I've really need seen. to get a Nike hijab for like working out because I, I, I use the like hijab excuse for working out like all the way. <laughs> Like, no, it's it's so easy with like, I'm not gonna lie, like I think that there's a lot of flaws in the Nike hijab that they could definitely remedy and there's a lot more that they could do, but I think that it is the best option. Truly, if you if you are a hijab and you do any type of physical activity, I think it is the best option because it's so lightweight. Mm-hmm. And when you like I used to just take a hijab and wear it like a turban, mm-hmm. but all of that fabric on your yeah, head really like makes off and it makes you overheat and it's just very uncomfortable. Yeah. And I don't think anyone should be that uncomfortable when they're working. And out. then I like, I bought these like oversized long sleeve hoodie t-shirt things that like are men's from Amazon, like to wear with leggings and like put them yeah, on yeah. while I work out and like the hood slipping, like every time I yeah. even like attempt to move my leg is just so That's- annoying. I never understand how girls can wear them because I bought one from I think like Gap Mm -hmm. and it also moves around constantly so I'm like I don't really understand how are you doing this yeah well like it doesn't work so we're not doing it it doesn't work we're not a photo we're not doing it uh you heard it here first you will never catch me or Zainab watch us like next week both wear them um (laughs) This has been so fun. Like I love talking to you Thank and you for having me. Of course, it's my pleasure. And where can people follow you online on TikTok, your book? Where could they buy it? I just plug all your things. Okay, so the book you can buy. Honestly, everything's like in my bio on Instagram, Zainab underscore Isa. The TikTok you won't find there. You have to like do some digging. I'm not going to give you that <laughs> link directly. If you come across it, you do. If you don't, that's great too. Guys, follow her on TikTok. Her <laughs> TikToks are amazing. I don't, I feel like I, I'm going to yell at you until you overcome this feeling that you have. Your TikTok account is amazing. It's so beautiful. And cringy. Um, it's, it's not, I promise you it's not cringy. I, I would... If it was cringy, you would not be on my podcast. Let's just put it that way. I'm an asshole. I would be like, fuck that. You're not allowed. Um, her TikTok is amazing. Her her book is incredible. Um, buy her book. Follow her on Instagram. Follow her on TikTok. Zainab, it's been such a pleasure. And um, as always, you guys can follow the podcast on Instagram at Arab American Psycho, where you will see a lovely picture of Zainab. And I'll have all of her stuff linked there as well. And as always, um, you can follow me on Instagram at Nore, where I'm just, you know, taking pictures of myself and being an asshole. And uh, I will talk to you guys next week.